to my dead parents i am brie helders and today we have brian garrity say hi brian hi hi brie do you know why you're here um yeah to talk about my dead parents yeah you have not one but two just like me i have two dead parents you have two dead parents what are their names marianne is my mom's name and dennis is my dad's name marianne is a really pretty name thank you uh do you want to talk about How long ago did they die? My mom died three years ago, June 1st, so three, ten days will be three years ago. And my dad died five years ago on July 22nd, 2014, and my mom would have been June 1st, 2016. Um, Both both died of cancer. So close together. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... I mine died four months apart. It's so much. Did you feel like you were just getting through? Not getting through because you never get through it. But but you were just starting to become yourself again after your father died first. So right, that's what you just said. Yeah. Uh, so did you feel like oh I'm I'm finally adjusting to one and then wham another because that's how I felt. It's, I I felt differently. I felt like. Um, the way my father died, he had pancreatic cancer, which was mm-hmm. very quick but brutal. Um, and at a certain point, after you deal with the diagnosis and you know that it's finite and yeah. this person will definitely die within a year if they're lucky, Yeah. Um, then in a way it's about kind of capitalizing on the good moments you can still have with them before the disease you know takes over and they're not coherent to a degree and then you're just kind of managing their pain so in a way when my dad died it was a relief and then I had to go back and work through the grief part which manifests itself in many different ways um and after I felt at a certain point that I was through that, then my mom, of course, was diagnosed with cancer, and then the cycle started all over again. Jesus. Yeah. So what was the timeline between how long before your mother passed was she diagnosed? My mother had about maybe eight months, and she had lung cancer, which was a cause from smoking for 55 years. Mm, that'll do it. Yeah. That typically does it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in New Jersey. It's like you kind of, you're born with a cigarette there anyway, <laughs> where I grew up. Um, and you, it, I could see it. I could, we could see that I have two sisters, a younger sister and older sister. And we'd all be around for the holidays. And I could see the decline in my mom. And I knew it was a direct result of smoking. I mean, she literally looked like an ash color. This is before she was diagnosed? Before she was diagnosed. You just co- knew she's getting sick. Yeah, I could just see mm. it. She, you could just see that it was taking a toll on her. Um, and then um, she uh, got got sick, got like um, CPOD, which is kind of like a junior emphysema from, the, from what I understand. Mm. it's And she had a pretty mild case of it. And so... Typically, you have to have oxygen 
um, on the daily, but she was able to finally quit smoking after 55 years um, after that diagnosis. And it was really incredible to see her come back to life. It was like a person that I hadn't seen in years. She had so much confidence. Did it help at all? I mean, did it, do you think it prolonged her passing for her to quit smoking or was just way too I, well late? this is this is prior to her lung cancer diagnosis. Oh, so right. this is so my dad got sick. Mm-hmm. Actually, in fact, let me take back. My dad was not my parents are divorced now. Yeah. Um God, I want to say 30 they were divorced 34 years at that point. Um my dad was not sick yet. My mom got sick. And we always thought she would die at an early age, earlier than she did at 70. Um, and she was diagnosed with CPOD, quit smoking, changed her her whole lifestyle, was on medication and bounced back and had like a miraculous like couple years where she just looked great, had way more energy. And oh, it, it was really for my sisters and myself was really a pretty wonderful time to spend with my mom. And yeah. it just felt like I, I resented her for smoking. Um, because it's like, you know, she's clearly killing her. It's like an alcoholic drink, drinking and they know it's killing them, but they continue to do it. It was kind of like that. So she eventually quit and came back to life. But in the interim, my father was then visiting me in LA and we were um, we were hiking. I I used to live at the top by Runyon Canyon there, and um, he had back pain, and he kept saying it was like this weird pain he's never experienced before. And three weeks later, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and then that was the beginning of the end, really, and that journey, um, kind of out of the blue. It's one of those things that. Yeah, you it is don't. one of those. It's known for like you get diagnosed, and by the time you get diagnosed, it's too late, right? That's that's what pancreatic cancer. Mostly, is it's it's like a it's like a, a death sentence. Yeah. Um, did he go through chemo, or did he go through anything like that, or he was just like no? He this did is one it. um one round of chemo where they like they they do some kind of um like cavity in your veins. I I don't I forget what exactly what it's called, and they are able to like inject it right into your veins. So he did that. Um, my friends and I were in New York at a film festival. We all had movies playing there at that time. And my dad had met us and we had a really fun, he was sick at that point. He had met us and he decided ultimately to sail off into the sunset is what he said. He's like, I want to have fun. I don't want to be, chemo is not going to help me. Yeah. So why these last months be sick? So, um, he, he did try it. And at that point, my same group of friends went to San Francisco for a long weekend, which my dad also came to. And he was just getting the chemo made him so sick. He could barely get on the plane, but just in the beginning of the trip, he felt back to himself and he's like, I'm never doing that again. So he just kind of wrote off the chemo. And then we, um, we went crazy in San Francisco. We called it San Fran Vegas, basically. <laughs> Like 10 of us for four days. Yeah. And we just had a great time. Um, yeah. A very memorable time with my dad. A lot of great pictures and stuff like that. Um, your parents were four months. Mm-hmm. And how quickly, did, what, what one of them was sudden or? They were both p- kind of sudden. My okay. mother had been sick for a long time. She had a 
she had cirrhosis of the liver, mm-hmm. but she never drank. So she just like somewhat mysteriously got this disease uh, and was, you know, trying to get a transplant and going through all of that and had surgeries and stuff. But ultimately they knew that she'd gotten a diagnosis maybe eight months before she died, maybe a little bit late, like eight months before she died. Uh, they discovered that she had um, uh, diverticulitis. She knew she had diverticulitis, which is where you have like um, holes in your colon. But they didn't know that it was so bad that she like urgently needed to have surgery. But she wasn't a candidate for that surgery to have a colectomy, which is where they uh, are cutting out part of your colon. She wasn't a candidate for it because of her liver. So she was in this sort of catch-22 of you need a liver transplant in order to get this colon surgery, save your life, but you're not a candidate for the liver surgery because your liver's not bad enough. So she, it was it was a, a game of that for a while. And then sort of in the middle of it, she'd already gone to Nashville. She was going to have the transplant at Vanderbilt University. I don't know if you've... Or, or mm-hmm. Vanderbilt Hospital, rather. Right. Uh, and we'd already gone on two trips, I think, and was kind of in the middle of possibly having that. And it was going quite well although a slow process it it seemed to be going in the right direction and then my father just died in his sleep just didn't wake up no had just gone for a checkup I mean he had really really like not bad diabetes but to the point where I mean he never even had to check his blood he just took a little pill every day and he'd just been to the doctor and they were like yeah you actually you're doing really really well and then and then I got a call from my sister in the morning when I was with my daughter and I was uh, I was feeding her breakfast and I get this call from my sister thinking, it's 9 a.m. my sister's calling me. Amber doesn't even f- fucking wake up before 12. Like, what's going on? And I expected it to be my mother, of course, because she'd been sick. And they used to call me and, like, run stuff by me. Like, if she wasn't doing well, they'd say, is it bad enough? These are the symptoms. This is what's going on. Should we take her to the hospital? So I expected them to be like, hey, she woke up and she's not responding to what we ask her, but she's breathing. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to call. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I'll meet you at the hospital. That's 1000% what I was expecting. And then I answer the phone and she's like, "We, I." it's funny because I remember her wording so precisely and she remembers my response and she's told me that the most haunting part of that day for her was her telling me because like my papa and I were so close and I just I had just fucking seen him and so she called me and she was like um hey we have a bit of an emergency situation and I'm like I'm ready what's up what's going on she's like um I think papa died (laughs) I was like what (laughs) what and then I started to talk her through like checking his vitals because she said, I think Papa died. And so I'm like, okay, um, well, sounds like you're not sure. Let me run you through ways to find out if someone's dead. Uh, and I'm like getting, and I'm like telling her what to do. And she, and I was like, first call 911. Then you, and then she's like, no, 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 no. And she, I just kept talking. She's like, no, 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 no. Brianna, he's cold. He died last night like in his sleep and we woke up and he was already cold and his fingers are blue. And and I like that's what she remembers is like me just like screaming. Just like I cuz I like got up and I didn't even I I I didn't even know how to process. I mean, yeah, it <sighs> mm. 
It was a really rough one. Um, and I, I, I st- like that was in my kitchen and I still sometimes on a really rough day, I just walk through my kitchen like, and my eyeline just follows like where I got the call, where I walked to, where I fell to my knees. Mm. Like that was, and yeah. Um, so that was, they were back to back. And then my, and then my mother ultimately didn't even die of the liver thing. She just, her body started to shut down with no real explanation. Hepatology, like her, her liver doctor was like, it's not her liver. And neurology was like, it's not her brain. And it looked like a stroke. It acted like a stroke. And they were like, we can't find a blood clot anywhere. We have no idea what's going on. And I think she, it sounds nuts, but it's like she just died of a broken heart. Like she just, her body started to give out because she couldn't go on anymore. I mean, all of her people died. Yeah, I mean, that happens, they say. Yeah. That's, it was similar. Like, I, we expected my mom to die. She got sick, got better. Also, my dad got this crazy disease out of left field. I mean, he's yeah. pretty healthy for the most part. I mean, he liked to have some drinks at five, you know? <laughs> <laughs> martini <laughs> Yeah, <guy>? martini. <laughs> he had a saying that martinis are like breasts. <laughs> One's not enough and three's too many. <laughs> We're gonna ta- if he had a headstone, my sister's and I, we're gonna tattoo it on there, but <laughs> he was cremated, so we're unable to do that. Um, <laughs> it's a slogan I I live by. <laughs> you live by that. Yeah. Just, anything, all else fails. At least I have that. Well, um, I mean, I, I I think some people would disagree with that. Yeah. Some people truly believe three titties is a good amount of titties. Yeah, I guess so. There are mm. there's some people like four and that's a whole nother conversation. It's a whole other thing. Um, it's a different podcast. That's just, you're into cows. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay. So your dad was cremated. My uh, dad was cremated. You're, what about your mom? She was cremated. She's, I have my mom. She's next to my bed. I've been meaning to maybe do something with the ashes, but I don't really know what to do. Um, but both in both instances, I was the first to get the diagnosis, I guess, yeah. out of my family. Yeah. Um, my dad was the one who called me, and he said uh, he was acting very strange. Um, I was on my way to this may be superfluous information but i was on my way to like some place where they give you free clothes <laughs> and i was there with like a you know publisher and i've never done this before and where like, do you go hold the <laughs> fucking phone what is this place um, was no a, wait, wait, it was like a it was like they they were like come and get free clothes these people kept asking me to be good like for what for like a brand like yeah, a brand for, for one brands, or two for brands or, you know. but more than one brand is it yeah. like a gifting suite it's a gifting suite that okay thing. Yeah. just say okay i'm not so fucking basic that i don't know what a gifting suite oh, I is did, i didn't know i'm oh, sorry i know what a, people know what a gifting suite <laughs> sorry, is yeah. the I secret's didn't know what out it called. asshole yeah. yeah sorry yeah i i didn't know what it was called but thank you for clarifying <laughs> clarifying i'm seeing them at sundance like they're it's like sundance all the people give you things so I was on my way to a gifting suite mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a cool thing. And <laughs> my dad, I hadn't heard from him in three weeks after he had left my house here in L.A. and went back. He was living in this beach town in Delaware called Rehoboth Beach. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of like setting up retirement, that kind of thing, and enjoying his time there. Mm-hmm. And he... um 
I hadn't heard from him, so I called him and I was like, "Hey, man, what's happening? I haven't heard from you." And he's like, "We talked for a little bit. Everything seemed normal." And my dad could go on some monologue, so he was talking about something, and I pulled up to the gifting suite. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> You're welcome. And he, um, he was like, "Are you going to be on the East Coast soon?" And I was like, "Yeah." But I, I'm there for work and I don't have much time. He's like, I need to see you. And I'm like, okay. But I don't think I'm going to have much time. But like, we're going to get together in, at the end of May. So let's do it then. This was now April we were talking about. And he's like, no, I need to talk to you about something. And I'm thinking like, okay, what do you need to talk to me about? And then I see the people that are taking me into the gifting suite, like agent and publicist. And they're like, Brian, waiting to me. I'm like, hold on, hold on. So I'm in my car outside and I'm like, dad, okay, that you're, I got this sick feeling in, in my stomach. And I was like, what is going on? And he's like, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, you need to tell me right now because I can't take this anymore. And then he said, I was diagnosed with liver cancer. I have three to six months to live and it's from pancreatic cancer. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. And I just, I felt like a, truck hit me it was like one of those times when oh you know everything kind of goes yeah silent and you just kind of hear this nothing and I see these people waving at me and I don't know so I so I go dad I'm gonna call you back I get out of the car and I kind of walk blindly with them for a second and I go into this gifting suite I, I don't know what I got quickly just to say and try to the whole time I'm thinking about the information which I just received and you didn't tell anybody no I didn't tell anybody and then I got back in the car like 10 minutes later with a bag of gifts that meant absolutely nothing to me and I called my dad and I we talked about you know the plan and there was a lot of loose ends to tie up with my family and my sister so that was part of it. Um, Did I, you call your sister? I, I called my sisters and my mom. My mom was crushed by this news. I mean, it was devastating for all of us. My dad was, um, at the end of the day, he was our father. I mean, he was a complicated man yeah. in a lot of ways, but he was still my dad. Um, You're all t- kind of tangled up. Okay. I'm untangling you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so... My sisters, I had called them, and um, at that time, they had both had a fractured relationship with my father to a degree. I mean, I think they were in communication, but not in the way that we were. Uh, My father and I were very close. We had like a friendship relationship. Did your sisters have kids? They they both have kids. Um, They did at the time as well. Yes, they did at the time. My, My younger sister had a newborn. So that was also difficult timing. Um, and then m- my older sister had three kids, and you know they were in early teens at that point. Um, did that change? I mean, did did them approaching this situation? And because I will say that, as a person with a child, also known as a parent, yeah, uh, as a parent um, who had a strange relationship with. I had a very close relationship with my father, but I had a very strange sort of relationship with my mother where I constantly was like keeping her at arm's distance in some ways. I mean, I 
loved her very, very much, but there was a lot of stuff that we didn't agree on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of stuff that was really painful from my childhood and in, in a lot of ways in which she like was very misogynistic. And, uh, I tried to keep a lot of that away from my daughter. And then when I found out how sick she was, it, it was really hard for me because then it was like, did I make the right choice? Did I, have I harmed my, my child and my, and my mother by doing this thing that I, I feel is what's right for me? What, what is the right decision as a parent? And I don't know, did, did your sisters deal with that? Can you be more specific? Like they, I, I'm, I'm, so, so my, so my mother and I had a really complicated thing. I get that. Right. And so I, I often kept them at arm's length, yes. my, my mother. Mm-hmm. And, and then when she got really sick, so much like in the back of my mind, I was there for her. Of course, I was managing a, much of like her and I was her power of attorney and her health directive. And I did a lot of work in her illness and in her life and also in her death. And um, but I found myself before she and after she passed just just questioning myself just being like am i i just constantly felt this like weight of guilt mm-hmm. but then also having to constantly reassure myself that like hey i was in an impossible position and i i made this decision for myself because i felt it was what was healthy for me and my family but like was it the wrong one yeah i yes that to answer that question they they definitely there was some conflict there, but at the same time, my sisters and I fortunately all agreed that we're a family and like we need to take care of our father because he doesn't have anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad he had you guys. <clears throat> yeah so yeah part of that was um i think coming all coming together and you know dropping all these kind of things that were really just small i think at the end of the day and and deciding to be a family and Allowing that to win was huge for all of us. And we, we spent a lot of time together. We kind of took turns taking care of my dad. Um, he moved into my older sister's house. And I was here working, so I would fly back every other week and spend time with him. And um, my mom my mom really helped out, too. Yeah. And so that was a big thing for me. And I was worried that my sisters weren't going to be able to forgive him and I felt that would strain our relationship even though they were justified in their feelings but I just because my dad was so alone and I don't know just he was dying of cancer and to watch him like that the strong man that I have known my whole life and yeah. a mentor to me I it would have been tough to watch him not die and know that he had the you know this kind of broken relationship with his daughter so yeah it was and we um we you know we were there and we you know as a result 
we're so much we're, we're pretty close to begin with but we're all five years apart mm-hmm. i don't think my parents planned that by the way <laughs> they, maybe they planned one and here we are my other two sisters but we um are you the youngest i'm the middle child you're the middle child we but you're we, the one that he called yeah and then um and then he wanted an unusual funeral which well uh, the, the the one thing I should say is when he came to my house right before he had back pain, mm-hmm. he brought this detailed will and made me the executor and was so adamant. But about he didn't it. know yet? And I asked him so many times and he's like, I had no idea. Could have been, you know, a coincidence or intuition. Yeah. I think. Yeah. He was feeling off too a couple of weeks before. He's like, I don't know, man. Maybe I should stop drinking so much. <laughs> you know, they're tired. Like, he's like yeah. Jimmy Buffett. And I'm like, no, I don't think that's it. Like enjoy yourself. So he ultimately in his um his will he wanted a luau type funeral with bagpipes, two rock bands, <laughs> um fun food, <laughs> Hawaiian or some kind of fun food. He wanted what, like a like a like a party, like a rockabilly music festival. He, exactly. Shit. He wanted like a music <laughs> festival, and I was like, this is really difficult. <laughs> so it took me a long time to plan it, but I ended up getting. But this. you nailed it. I nailed it. I, we had a All great done. party, and I mean, we none of us really remember it. I remember <laughs> there's videos from it. A lot of cousins and got in trouble. A lot of cousins were throwing up. A lot of it was a rager, <laughs> and people are like, "That party was amazing," and I'm thinking like. I'm like, thanks. But then I'm like, wait, should I, is that a compliment? Like my dad's <laughs> funeral was an amazing party. There's about a hundred people there. I think that's best case scenario. Yeah. I'd want, I'd want that to be said about my own funeral. It was, it was in this place right in Jersey city. It's a beautiful place. My f- old friend of mine has this restaurant and I looked and looked and he gave us this where they have event spaces and, uh, it was overlooking the skyline. It was beautiful, and what a day it was! I'll never forget. It was like 80 degrees in September, and just perfect. And all my friends came, and my my best friend's band played. It was pretty pretty great. So that there was that, and then um, I had a good couple months with my mom, and then she lost her voice for three weeks, and I sh- I would talk to my mom at least once twice a week. At that point, I was living in Chicago where I was working and I knew something was wrong. She lost her voice before she knew. Yeah. Um, and then that is what caused her to go in. Yeah. I mean, I, I had done some Googling, which is never a good thing as you know. No, it's and, not. And then, uh, I was like, I just didn't feel good about it. She got a stage four. She went in and they did a biopsy. They found something on her vocal cord which mm-hmm. ultimately proved to be lung cancer and um then it was uh diagnosis from there my my younger sister is in advertising and she markets um ironically cancer oncology drugs and so mm-hmm. she has a pretty decent education so she she was able to go and meet the oncologist with my mom and really help pick out the right plan. Oh, that's great. Yeah, she actually helped with my dad too. I failed to mention that. So my mom was diagnosed and uh, she went through chemo and she lives about a mile from my older sister and 
my sister took her to all her chemo and it was working and and her and her her tumors were shrinking and they they were giving her like a five year plan, which was great. Great. And I was in Chicago, so I was able to come home like to New Jersey. Um and the summer before I had just I just got a little place in Malibu and I thought I need my mom to come out here. For yeah. some reason I so I had her out for like a week and we just spent the week cooking and going to you know, fun Nobu and stuff like that. Oh my I'm gosh, how fun. Yeah, it was so fun. And she, she had such a good time. And, and I I remember like I, I got her this plane ticket and I got her a first class ticket. And she sat, she sat next to Vera Wang and she talked about it. Like she still <laughs> talked about it. She's like, and I sat next to Vera Wang and we <laughs> talked about dresses. You know, so wow, that's adorable. It was cute. Um, but um, she, she had the time and I just was like, you know, it's a, sometimes it can be a lot to have your family come out and take them around, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, but I was like, I got to do this. I had a two month hiatus break from my job and my mom came out and we had a wonderful time. And six months later, she was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and, uh, and it's the chemo regimen seemed to be working. Um, and I was home for mother's day and she, um got really sick so we took her to the hospital and she was kind of out of it she had a bad headache and was um really kind of not coherent and after a series of days of tests um i again was talking to the doctor and he took me outside and, and my mom just did not look good and he said you're your mom has um, cancer that had sp spread to the fluid around her brain, and it's it's usually happens with uh, melanoma because mm -hmm. it's in the bloodstream, mm -hmm. and it's kind of this fluid. And once you have that, it's another it's impossible to yeah. get rid of it from her lungs. I guess they didn't see it somehow in treating her her lung cancer with chemo. So so he he took me outside, told me. Um, that I, my mom had probably two months to live. And wow. from there, the both times when I got those diagnoses, those were, the, for me, by far the hardest times. I mean, I was crushed. Yeah. Um, you know, having to give that news to my sisters and the rest of my family as well, like I had to do that. So both times when I got the information, I those were by far... Um, the most emotional times. I mean, the transparent emotions. I mean, they're still. Obviously I mean, more stuff. more than when they actually passed. That yes. was heavier. It was just, just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. J just knowing that. Um, but 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 again, when they actually passed, that kind of that that grief takes time, and yeah, as you know, it's it, almost numbing at first. Yeah. And, and then, then it's like, oh, I'm fine, and I went off to work, and I thought I was fine, and that manifests itself, and. Oh, I did too. I did. I did like a comedy show. Yeah. Like two nights after my father passed. And then I did this improv festival thing in New York, the Del Close Marathon. Uh, I flew to that the day after my father's funeral. And I wasn't going to, I knew that I could not go. Like I knew that my teams would understand if I didn't perform. But I was like, ah, I kind of need to. Because the alternative is me sitting at home. 
and I kind of need to distract myself after having spent weeks planning this thing. Yeah. And I needed to, and then it did. It manifested itself in really weird ways where I like walked home from like the party space at like two in the morning. I walked like 30 blocks home. Because and that's like that's not something I would normally do. Yeah, that was I was really drunk and really sad, yeah. and I walked for so many blocks. You do weird stuff. You do really weird stuff. There were some points where I was like, I'm acting like I'm 21 again. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's okay. Though. Yeah, um, we have to take a short break, and then we'll come back and talk about some of the self-destructive shit you get into. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, that's my okay. favorite. Hold on. And we're back. Um, oh, that was a great break. <laughs> we needed it. Jeez, we deserved it. We break. earned it. Uh, something that, not that I wasn't listening. I was listening to everything you were saying. <laughs> but can we talk about how, If do you have XM radio? No, no I don't. Okay. Well, we you know what it, it is though, right? I do. Okay, so I rented a car and it had XM radio and I w- was in it for a couple weeks, and there's a Margaritaville station, and they almost never play the song Margaritaville, which is the only reason I'm listening to the <laughs> station, because I love that song so much. It's maybe one of my like top 10 favorite songs. Wow. I love Margaritaville. Have you heard it? I've heard that one, I think. Yeah, it's Searching about... for my one. love. Yeah. salt. <laughs> yeah, it's Margaritaville. It's a very deep song. Oh, uh, my <sighs> God. It kind of is. He's like, yeah. some people claim that there's a woman to blame. Well, searching for my lost shaker of salt. That Just think about that lyric. You can <sighs> think about that for years. I mean, <laughs> he's an alcoholic. He's not. He's my neighbor in Malibu. No, not <laughs> oh. hit that in the song. The, oh, right. yeah. the character the of character. the song. I like how I mean, he, he might have been when he wrote it. He might have had. He might have been drunk when he, he he wrote it. But he's my neighbor. He is. He's a small man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Very cute. No. <laughs> Men don't want to be called cute. Small and cute is not what. I mean, dudes... he lives in. He literally lives in an eight hundred square foot trailer. Adorable. But it's very very cute. I so cute and adorable. All um, right. So destructive bullshit after. Your parents die. I went through, oh, Jesus. What a fucking... Also, I'm a person that, like, really, really, like, knows who she... I know what I'm into. I know my likes and dislikes. I'm, like, a fireplace, cooking, farmer's market. When I travel, I find a market, I get some jam. That's, like, the best of a vacation for me. I like getting local ingredients, and I spice is really what excites me. Pretty fucking boring. It sounds like like wife material there. (laughs) You would think so. Anyway, um... (laughs) Or, but also, I mean, not that, and and also I like a really good glass of wine. I'm a geek about scotch, stuff like that. But what I'm not is like, oh, I have a sitter um, and I'm not working. I'm going to go get wasted as soon as humanly possible. Get five drinks in me immediately. Like looking at the clock, like waiting for when I can have alcohol. And it was in in an escape kind of way. Like I really just needed to not be thinking about what was Go, I, I was so in my head about everything because I needed to be. I was look. I mean, after my father died, I was like, 
I have to take care of my mother. I have to take care of my child. I have to take care of myself. I have to take care of my family. Everybody, I felt like everybody was looking at me like, even on the day was, okay, Brianna, what do we do? Like, I, I get on the phone the morning he, that I got the news. I was like, where's grandma? My mother was my grandmother. Where's grandma? And Amber's like, she's, um, she's here. She's just pacing. She's just walking around. And I was like, put her on the phone. And, and she was like, yeah, she wants to speak to you. She gets on the phone and she's like, I don't know what to do, Brian. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't. And she just like kept repeating herself and she was crying. I was like, you need to breathe. You have got your focus right now is getting through the next hour. Just think about getting through the next. She's like, you need to get down here. I need you to come. Can you come now? And I'm like, I'm getting in the car. I didn't pack a goddamn thing. I packed my baby. And maybe I remembered to bring her some water. <laughs> and I got in that car and was rushing down and was calling people while I was on the way. Um, missed my exit to my hometown that I lived in my entire life and I missed the exit. And um, and from that, before I even hung up the phone call, I was already like knew I, I just was, this was my life now. It's just making sure she's okay is looking after her and and everything else and planning the funeral and her health and it I mean I had my sister and she actually lived with my mother and was obviously day to day helping her more than I was but just the weight and the pressure I couldn't handle it and my husband at the time was um in a band and he was on tour for the entirety of this and I like I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle the weight of that of the responsibility and and also not even having the opportunity to properly grieve myself because I have to be a mom every day and I'm essentially single parenting already. And and so I would go out and just follow the fun. Literally at that time in my life, you could have come up to me and suggested anything and I would have said, "Yeah, sure." I couldn't say no to it. I didn't want to mom anything. So whatever anyone else decided we should do, I was like, "Yeah, I'll do that." You want, oh, let's go get into a fight or hmm. jump off a building? Yeah, I'm down to do that. I'll do that. Yeah. that oh, yeah, In that's... that way, I was really, it was really, it was self-destructive, but it wasn't in a way that I was trying to ruin my life or anything. Or like, it wasn't an act of self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. It was an act of like, I need to not be Brianna Helders, the girl who has everybody looking to her for help, the girl who has to figure everything out and can't even grieve the loss of her father. Like that, none of that existed. Yeah, it's, uh, well, they, it's hard to really define escape because when you're in it you personally I didn't feel like I was escaping now that I'm outside of all that I'm able to like objectively look at it I'm thinking wow okay yeah I really was escaping oh um, yeah I only knew after the fact right what like, was you're going in it, on. like I'm fine I'm getting by day to day I mean I really I had well okay I had with the my girlfriend at the time, we had went to my mom's funeral, and this will be, this is, this is an interesting story. We went to my mom's funeral, and she's from Colorado. We, during my mom's funeral, her grandmother was sick and died. On the way back, we had flown from my mom's funeral to go to her grandmother's in Colorado. She also had a schizophrenic aunt that lived with the grandmother and that her and her family had to figure out where to put her because she needed 
24-hour help. She wow. needed to be in an institution. <laughs> so we were trying to talk to her. She she had very long hair, didn't like to go outside, probably dreadlocks or so on from what I understand. So at the same time, we were trying to figure out what to do with her aunt, help her family, you know, with, with her grandmother and her, her dad's mom that died. So we kind of got things situated there and we're heading back to LA and we went to um, go talk to her aunt one last time and we couldn't get in the house. So when we, we went around the back and I opened the window and, and uh, my girlfriend at the time went inside and she found her aunt hanging there. She Whoa. had, she had killed herself and she, and she came flying out. We had then called, called 911 they were like you need to go in and cut her down right now so her brother and i were headed. she had just done it she had just done it she had just Whoa. killed herself because she knew and her and her brother her brother and i were headed into the house to go cut down her aunt and right then the fire department showed up and it was just a brutal couple of days um reason why i tell that is because we then that evening got on a plane and like jumped all of us jumped right back into our lives in LA wow without really dealing with any of that um Jesus. i mean it was it was a crazy oh my gosh that poor girl yes so oh, man and i you know it, but you think okay and then a week or two goes by and the vision stop and the kind of that moment you know you can yeah. think back to that moment it's the first time i've really ever like talked about it but it was just a lot of death yeah and loss for a lot of people um so mom dies you know my dad dies i jump right back into my life yeah. and of course funerals are help you know help helpful for closure and so on but yeah funerals are for the living yeah it's, but there's something that keeps going on and now i had this thing I don't know about you, but I had this thing where I was very close with my dad. Mm -hmm. I was also very close with my mom in different ways. I missed my mom every second of every day mm -hmm. in a different way than I miss my dad. Um, not that I'm tallying, but... There absolutely, there always is one that it's who you were closer to. And you can you can be very close to both of them. I was very close to both of my parents in different ways, even though I, you know, I, I expressed the arms reach thing with my mother. But also when I was a kid, she was my best friend. We were so close um, in a way that I think was maybe unhealthy, like an unhealthy relationship to have with a child. Like I was her best friend and I knew all of her business, mm, right. all of the gossip, yeah, the entire family's problems. Yeah. We would do this thing where like she would tell me, OK, here's Christmas, right? We go up to my aunt's house. And she tells me all the gossip of what's going on between all the adults. And then everybody expected me to say grace all the time. Wasn't religious, even as a child. And like, <laughs> it was for whatever reason, from like the age of five, I said grace. Of all my, all my fucking cousins, everybody's here. Why can't, where are we not taking turns? We're not taking turns. I'm saying grace. She would give me all the gossip. And then in grace, I would say stuff that would inspire people to forgive each other. Like that was... <laughs> 
Oh my god! Just like normal childhood yeah, stuff. I wouldn't worry about it. Just yeah. like normal, and just like yeah. a normal, nice childhood. Say, say grace. We don't. We, we've never been to church. But just make something up. Just say it. <laughs> never went. But I. But some of them did, and everybody was oddly religious, even though I didn't see anybody ever go to a goddamn church. But, um, yeah. So that. But so, but I have a really weird. I actually just sort of started grieving. I told you this. I I just sort of started grieving my mother in some ways, like two days ago. I don't know. It just hit me. Like, I mean, I, I did have a really insane last year and they were so close together that I, obviously I grieved her and I was very, I was living in it so much leading up to her passing. So it wasn't like my father where it was like, wham, your dad's dead. It was like a couple weeks. I was, like I said, I was her health directive. And so I was making all these decisions knowing still holding on this like it was a weird conversation of like what are we in you know my sister and I were very very close she's a year younger than me and we stuck through I was like from the beginning I was like I'm the health directive but we are making all of these decisions together if there's something you don't want to decide on tell me and I'll make the decision Mm -hmm. but I am never going to feel like my opinion has more weight than yours so we're in this together and um, everything, even, you know, one of the big ones that I really recommend for everybody going through this, it will make, it will make everything so much easier. It's such an important, it sounds so stupid, but it's such an important communication before you post anything on social media, before anyone does, you talk about what you're going to post, write it out and just say the same thing. That's what Amber and I have done through the entire process. When my father passed, when my mother passed, we were like, all right, we want to be the ones to announce this. Let's right. write it together. And we sat down, brain. wrote it together, and it it just, it really, really does. It's, again, I know this sounds so stupid, but it makes a world of difference because you don't want to get into one, some sort of competition of like, who announced it first or whatever. Even if you're a person who doesn't care about that stuff, it can still sometimes eat at you. Like, oh, you're taking claim over our parent or something like that. Um, Or you're taking claim over the hurt of this or your post makes it sounds like you were closer than I was. Like, it's just so much easier if you just write it together. Um, But it's a good, yeah. Um, but we, what was I saying? Um, oh, but I, you know, I, th- in a way I started grieving her or preparing myself to grieve leading up to her death. But then I kind of just had to go straight back into my life and go back to grieving my father. Like I wasn't even close to done grieving him. I was just starting to feel like myself a little bit in that I was no longer needing to like get wasted every night. Um, and I wasn't, you know, screaming every day like into a pillow or in my car the minute I dropped off my kid um that's the hard thing like you talk about going straight back to work is you end up compartmentalizing when you can grieve Mm -hmm. because when you're working when you're in front of people that you you don't you're not affording yourself the opportunity that everybody around you would understand but you're not giving yourself the opportunity to like show that vulnerability in front of people Mm -hmm. you have to just get through your job or get through what you're doing. And then on your off hours, oh, got three hours. <laughs> time time yeah. to be sad. Or do something destructive or yeah. unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I compartmentalized a lot of it, I would say. I would define that. But I also, um, my dad, in a way, there was a, I don't know, uh, a sense of freedom or relief in a a weird way as well. And I don't know if that was 
I see you like wincing when you say that, but I think that a lot of people feel that, especially with cancer. Yeah, it was cancer, but I think it was ultimately more than that in a way. Somebody told me, you know, I I think the day you become a man is the day your father died. A friend of mine sent that, you know, to me and, and also it was more, um, I think it was more about, it was difficult, uh, in a lot of ways. My, my father was, and things were complicated. And so when he died, I think it was a bit, I was, I had to become the man of the the house in a way, if that makes sense. And it, there was a lot of relief that came with that. And, um, his relationships with my sister and did they, do you feel like they properly patched things up before he passed? I do. I feel like they oh, patched things so up. Good. It was beautiful. It really was. Um, but but my mom w- was a very different thing. I I felt a void. Um, I was very concerned because my father and I were very close as well. That my I think my mom and my sisters were concerned. I've been known to drink a few drinks here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, in the off hours. And they were, I think, concerned about me. And I really felt like I was doing very well with it. Um, and it was also nice to also still have my mom, you know, someone to talk to, even though at a certain level, um, your parents, it's nice to talk to them and, and keep them updated on what you're doing and what but at a certain point they can't really help you make decisions anymore but it's still nice to be like hey i'm buying this house what do you think about this and get their approval and just just to know that they're there supporting you Um, i think that is kind of why there's the i had never heard this except another guest that i had on uh had mentioned it the uh that you're a man when your father dies i think that's a huge part of it because for boys the approval of their father it, it even even people who are aren't that close to their dads it's there's there's a thing there and then when your dad dies you're like whoa i have no one i, have, I need no one's approval and it's you know, just me and and you're going to be the person that people want approval from you probably already experienced that because you have nieces and nephews mm-hmm. and your sisters maybe even um I, I i think there's like there's an ounce of that i think so i think i was trying to communicate that in a delicate way without sounding like I was relieved that my father died, which is partly true. And it could be, I think, a collection of those things, even though we were very close. And he also shared things that I was like, Dad, you're still my father. I don't, I'm like, la, 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 la. You know, I was like, I can't hear this. I mean, I, you know, I was like 38 years old going, Dad, you're disgusting. You know, stuff like that. But he was, he, uh, but we, oh man, I, I, but I miss him, you know, I miss him. I miss, I wish I could share, you know, the last couple of years of my life with any of my, I would give, I would give anything for like an hour. Yeah. One of my, one of my parents. Um, That's something you don't really get. No. You hear people say, and it's in songs and shit like that. Yeah. And you're like, ah, eh, what would one more day yeah. do? You, and, but like genuinely, I would give up any almost anything for just one day with my father 
And, and and when he passes suddenly like that, I think that's more difficult because at least it's that's the thing. I got the chance to grieve it over days and you just get to say everything accept. you got you wanted and, to say. And my dad was like, before I start losing my mind, he was like, <laughs> like he's like, I'm gonna go down a weird place. You want there things you want to know about or talk about? Yeah. And and again to go back earlier to what we were speaking about when my dad came and he had back pain before and he gave his will. We had four days of some of the deepest, and we were very deep and very honest with each other, some of the deepest conversations. And I asked him questions about things and about leaving my mom and his girlfriend and why he did that. And it's just, I got answers to things that I, I, I guess I always wanted to know. And, and I just, for some reason, it could be, again, my intuition. I, I got some closure in a lot of those things. Yeah. Um, and, you're really lucky. I am very lucky. High I person. would, I would oh. kill for just not just for answers to questions and stuff like that. I mean, my papa and I talked about stuff, and I heard a lot of what I really needed to hear about stuff from my childhood. Um, you know, I I unfortunately was raised in a not always fantastic home and was around some not so great people as a child and hearing from him, you know, I, you know, if I'd known or I, or, or, you know, I wish I'd done a lot of things different and, and hearing things like that meant everything to me, but God, just like, he looked after me because I was really, I got this insane, insane food poisoning while they were visiting me the week before and I had to go to the hospital. And I think so, I had this amazing, he was like the kind of guy that, if I wanted something, he would do everything he can he could to mm. like make and little things like I when I was leaving the hospital and I'm like so weak because I have like no flu. I, they gave me an IV and everything, but I'm still just like barely like inching towards the car. And uh, I look in the back of his truck, his work truck, and there's this like porcelain swan that used to be a planter that my mother had. And I was like, "What are you doing with that in your truck?" Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Oh." He's like, you know, your grandma, she was going to get rid of it and I wouldn't let her because <laughs> I was like their whole thing was she would get rid of something and he'd go and like sneak it and keep on hold on to it. And he's like, she wanted to get rid of it. Can you believe that? And I was like, I want it. I was like, well, he's I was like, oh, well, if you're using it for stuff, you, you use it. And then if you're ever going to throw it away, just give it to me. And he's like, OK. And then he had to leave. So we get back and we get back like at like seven in the morning and then at 8 a.m. I have to start parenting. We get back from the hospital at seven in the morning and I like went up to, and my my mother was there and she asked if I was okay and I, I just went up and like gave him a quick hug and was like, thank you, Papa. And then I went to bed and that was one of the last times that I spoke to him. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just like, D- why didn't I say I love you? Why didn't I say more? I mean, I guess why would I, but yeah. I wish I had like more reveled in like you stayed up with me all night <laughs> you stayed up with me all night and you sat in the hospital and you wouldn't go home even though I asked you to and then um and then the next morning so I, I so that morning I I I laid with Amelia in her room and then maybe like 10 11 a.m he had to he had to leave that morning and then I went and opened my front door and the swan had been cleaned up and sat on my on my doorstep it was just the kind of thing that he would do. 
just was always like that. And I just... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know he knew that I loved him. And I know he loved my baby girl so, so much. And I just... But I just feel like I I just wish I'd said it. He was just the type of guy that like he wasn't he wasn't into, you know, saying a lot of words. <laughs> this is this like, you know, strong Italian guy and I was the same way. We'd get on the phone, I'd be like, Yeah, you're good. Like he'd out, up, he'd call he'd yeah, he'd call to ask me something and then we'd talk and then he'd and then <laughs> for like a minute about whatever we need to talk about, he'd be like, How you doing? How's my girl? I'm like, Good, she's good, I'm good, great, all right, well, I love you, I'll see you soon. And then like that was it. So I, I don't know. It's I just one more day would be oh. everything because I got that with my mother and yeah. I didn't get it with him. Yeah, it sounds like you 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 two had a very special relationship too. It sounds that way, you know. And um, I I'm unlucky because I on the younger side of not having parents, you know. But I also am lucky. Like my mom got to see me me have success in ways and she was like my number one fan and so you know I'm the same it's uh, I miss that I miss her um there there's definitely I think maybe and if it was in the reverse order if my my dad died first or I mean my mom died first and my dad died I, it may have been different but I there was definitely a void in my life and I definitely went down a self-destructive there was definitely some heavy drinking moments there um and I knew because when I get down those uh, at the end of it there I would cry about my mom like an inconsolable pain. I would, you know, cry for days about it. Like, yeah. and, and I realized that that was probably, um, this void that finally, you know, I, I was able to kind of, I was probably self-medicating and I just was so felt so alone. Um, you know, my sisters have kids and families and I'm kind of, transient in LA traveling and I I just felt this void and I I kept I was on this cycle for a good year or two and finally I was like need to look into that <laughs> Ryan how do you why do you party for like four days and then cry for two about your mom and I kept going back I mean I, I'd cry to my best friend you know we're two grown men sitting around talking about my mom and how much I missed her. Um, and for all those reasons, I don't know. I, and, and the other thing is now I'm, you know, as I get in relationships and you, you, you don't have your parents, you, you don't, you can't, you can't show them how, how your life's going, you know? Yeah. And that's probably the hardest thing. Um, so what I try to do, is my sisters and I are on a group text that we text every single day. I mean, if, if we don't talk and I try to stay connected to them and their kids and because that's, that's all we have. Even, even my aunts and uncles, you know, it's just, that's, that's everything now. Um, you know? Yeah. So. I'm, I'm really I think 
Are you are you crying right now? Fuck off. How about that? How about you fuck right off? <laughs> I um <laughs> I think that there's a difference in the way that I know that there's a difference in the way that people live when they've lost their parents. I think when you've lost anybody that's like your close close unit, a sibling, a your your spouse, a child, your parents, you live life so differently because you just look around and see how fickle and short and small it is and you have to just i don't know it it's just fucking be close to people as much as you can the people that you've decided are in your life have them be in your life then don't fuck around spend as much time with them as possible i think i you said something right there that's really interesting because i i used to be put a lot more emphasis on my career was something that I felt and it could potentially be always, always seeking my father's approval and my parents' approval, you know, yeah. and as they are now both the dead, it's, and it could be a result of them dying and realizing my priorities have changed in, in, a, in a way, you know, and it's like, it's still important to me, but it's not end all be all. And I think that I found through this is balancing Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. my dad would always say, like, life's a collection of moments, man. I you say know? that, too. Yeah. So, yeah and You're not working towards one yeah. grand end game. That's no. a wasted life. Yeah. Um, and he also said this. <laughs> He's like, people are like, is it, is it weird knowing you're going to die? He's like, no, we all die alone, man. <laughs> that's, what, that's what he said. Like we all die alone, man. Your dad had some sick phrases. He had some good one-liners, I'd say. I mean, the margarita titties. What is it? That's martini. martini. Martini titties yeah. is obviously the best one. That's but... a very, very good one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. my sisters and I laugh about this. My sister said this the other day. She's like, I still laugh about this. My dad had this tombstone, and it said, it was like a, it was like a piece of art, and it said, I told you I was sick. <laughs> It's so ridiculous. It's like ridiculous. It's a total I love it. Bad joke. That's my favorite. Yeah. I I know this well. Um, okay. All right. We we gotta we gotta go. Oh, okay. <laughs> no more. This is so fun. <laughs> Best part of the week. Oh wow, that was really fun. I feel like thirty pounds lighter. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on uh, and talking about your dead parents. And um, I think you're doing good. Well, thanks. You too. You seem like you're going to be okay. I'm a- thanks. Um, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> All right. Bye. Hello, my sweet little angels. This is Brie Helders. Thank you so much for listening to My Dead Parents, hosted by me and produced by Julia Meltzer. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and keep with us on Instagram at My Dead Parents. If you have any questions or input, you can also email us at mydeadparentspodcast at gmail.com. Bye. Campfire. <laughs>